Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The, wi- the wine will run out, and the wineskins wine will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, So I've been uh, a Christian for a really long time. Not as long as I know a lot of you in this room have been. uh, But as I thought through uh, things in my life, some of my earliest memories in my whole life are at church and singing songs or being in a a nursery room or, or, or Sunday school class or something like that. I, I can remember all the way back. So it's, it's kind of a part of my culture, I guess, if you want to even say that. And what I have learned is in, in all that time is there, there are some awesome things that Christians do, but there are also some weird things that Christians do too and, and, and have, have kind of done through the centuries. I, I think, uh, you know, Christians sort of have... Um, their own sense of humor. We, we laugh at things like this picture. Uh, I'll give you a second to figure that one out. These are salt and pepper shakers. Can you figure out which one is the salt? If you didn't grow up in church, you don't get why that's funny, right? Lot's wife turned around and she was turned into a pillar of salt. That's, so she's the salt shaker and he's the pepper. But we, we laugh at weird things like that, right? Christians can do some weird things. Uh, let me show you a, a couple of pictures of, of, of some other thing, weird things that Christians do. So there were these guys about 1,700 years ago and, and for several different centuries uh, who, who, who began to try to get away from the influence of the world, and they moved out into the wilderness. We call them the desert fathers and desert mothers. Um, and... They're amazing people. They've done some incredible things. They have some incredible wisdom for us. They also did some weird things, too. And, and so I just want to show you a couple of places of places they lived. I just, look at that. They built a fancy place after, but before, they just lived in the holes, in the caves of places like this. They moved out into the deserts of Egypt and then uh, into the Negev. That's a picture of a, a place that a desert father used to live, and somebody still lives there because people have kept this up. And so you can see that's the oldest, ricketyest ladder I've ever seen. For somebody that wants, they, they live there. That's where they live. Uh, and, and so there are people still today living the life of the desert mothers and fathers. And if you can see behind him, there's not much to do out there. There's not much there. But they still live uh, out. This is in Egypt. Um, this is a view from the, what some people say the very first desert, desert father. His name was St. Anthony. 
Some people call him the great. Some people call him the, the Egyptian, St. Anthony the Egyptian. Uh, and there's a cave that he lived in for like 60 years, I think. And, of course, they built stuff, and now you can go in and see it. And, but that's the view. That's what he did. And, and that's a monastery that's been built since then. But there was nothing. He just literally went out into the desert uh, by himself. And so, uh, yeah, people still do some of this today. Um, I think I've even told you before, some of the desert mos- mothers and fathers, they would put s- uh, sand in their food so that they wouldn't enjoy it. Because they wanted to make sure it never became a vice for them. So when they did eat, they would, you know, stick sand in it. Uh, Some of them didn't speak for like 40 years. They would just totally, you know, what we would call hermits. They they lived by themselves and spent all their time doing things that you and I today would call very strange, call call odd. And so, um, again, I would say some Christians do weird things. And when we see stuff like this, we think, well, that... That's all fine for them, but, <laughs> but, but it's not for me. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm not selling all my possessions to go live out in a cave in the middle of the desert in Egypt. I'm just not going to do it. Um, our, our topic this morning may be something brand new to you. It may be something you've actually never heard about, um, and, and that's okay. Um, but as we talk about it, it may be something that you're— tempted to say, man, those Christians are weird, and this is definitely not for me, okay? Uh, but my goal for this morning is to show you that Scripture has something to say when it comes to the subject of fasting. Uh, in the Bible, uh, fasting is talked about 77 times, which is a lot. It's, it's more than important things that we talk about, like baptism. Uh, there's more talk about fasting in Scripture than there is about even baptism. So, it's in there. We should talk about it. It'll be weird. I feel weird about trying to preach it. I've been stressing all week about this. We'll get through it. I hope, hopefully you'll learn something. You'll hear what Scripture has to say for us. So, so the question is, what role, if any, does fasting have in the spiritual life of a Jesus follower, of a Christian, of a believer? Does fasting have a role in your spiritual life? So let's pray together as we discover that answer. God, may we hear your truth, not any (laughs) pseudo-wisdom that comes from me, not any uh, uh, opinions. God, may we hear your truth. Use this time. God, help us to hear and be willing to hear something that might not sound like something we want to do. But may we hear whether you've called us to it or not. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our passage for this morning, at least where we're going to start, is in Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah 58. Uh, It's on 617 uh, of your maroon Bibles. I'm going with, we'll call them burgundy. Um, 617. Uh, That's that's where we'll, we'll begin our time. Okay, Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 6. Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. 
They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And then this is the people speaking. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And then God is speaking again. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Well, we started a a series two weeks ago, and I've called it the basics of a spiritual life. The basics of a spiritual life. Other people uh, maybe prefer the term spiritual disciplines. These are things that help us as we try to pursue Christ more. Uh, These are not rules put in place that we must follow to be forgiven. These are not ways that we earn salvation or forgiveness from Christ. These are ways that we can help help us know the heart of Christ. And so uh, two weeks ago we started with Scripture, and I said that's the foundation. That's where we must be. We must start. We must start with God's truth. And, and so I said, you know, try to find some kind of scripture plan. It'll help you in terms of reading. It, it's helpful to kind of give you a pace and a, a direction to go. Um, and then last week we talked about prayer. And I said, prayer was meant to be attached at the hip to scripture. They're not supposed to be separate from one another. They, they go together. They work together. Um, and, and so maybe you can say it's a part of the same foundation. And so if you want to grow with Christ, if you want to know him more, You have to talk to him, you have to listen to him, you have to hear what he has to say in his truth, which is is scripture. And so prayer is is simply working on your relationship with God. It's acknowledging who he is and acknowledging that you're not him. That's that's prayer. And so um, this morning we're going to kind of take a different direction with us. And so if you're a visitor, I... I, (laughs) Just know, we don't talk about fasting around here all the time. In fact, I don't know... Probably most of these people have never heard a sermon on fasting before because nobody really knows how to talk about it. And so just recognize that uh, there are other things that we do talk about in here, but this is in God's Word. And so hopefully, hopefully this will be insightful f- for you, and hopefully this will be something uh, a- a- you, as you hear more about God's truth on this subject. So oh, there's your little preface on all of that. So, okay. Um, I-, I need to give you a little bit of an overview of, of Isaiah 58 if we're going to kind of talk about what, what this means and, and, and what to do with it. So, um, and, and, and so let me just kind of give you an overview of fasting, and then I'll give you an overview of Isaiah 58. So um, when we talk about fasting in the Bible, we're normally talking about kind of two main things, two main fasts. And the first is what people smarter than me have, have decided to call a normal fast because it's what we normally see in the Bible. And, and this typically means a voluntary abstaining from food for a certain set amount of time. Um, and we see this in various lengths of time throughout Scripture. Uh, 
the ones you most commonly see are like a day or, or three days. Now, we know there are some longer ones. We're not really going to talk much about those this morning. But, um, you know, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Um, but, but that's all part of what we would call a normal fast. And so the other kind uh, that we see is, is, is uh, called a partial fast. A partial fast is when you choose to abstain from maybe different categories or types of foods. And so uh, if you remember, uh, like in Daniel, when he said, look, king, I don't want to eat your unclean, unhealthy food. Let me abstain. I'm going to fast from that. Let me only eat fruits and vegetables and, and see, how, see how God blesses that endeavor, right? So that would, what Daniel did was what we would call a partial fast. Um, other kinds might include like a fast from alcohol or caffeine or sugar or meat, right? These are, these are different t- types of partial fasts that we see uh, with, with people and, 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 you know, dealing, dealing with food. And so, you know, you may have heard of like modern versions of something like this, like, like a juice fast, where somebody is only going to have juice, and so they're getting some calories, but they're not giving up all foods. They're just, they're just only, you know, doing, doing a juice fast. So that's, that would cons- be considered a partial fast. So normal, partial. Those are the two kind of main ideas there. Um, and, and they're done in Scripture normally in two different ways. We would, the first we would say is corporately, and corporately just means a group decides to do that together. And so sometimes that's like in a national emergency uh, there, there's a crisis coming, there's a decision that needs to be made, there's a, a big job or a big project that needs to get done, and they say, hey, let's fast together to, as we start this thing so that we can, we can pray during this time. That's a corporate fast. The other is the opposite of that you would call a private fast, and, and that is a person doing this on their own. And when that happens, kind of the general rule of thumb for it is it's done privately. It's done by themselves. It's not done to draw attention to themselves. It's not something they're, you know, blogging about or putting on Facebook as they go, you know, hour two, here's how I feel. That's not what fasting is meant to be. It's meant to be between you and God, something on your own. You know, not drawing attention to yourself, uh, those kinds of things. And so, so you've got normal, partial, corporate, private. Those are kind of the, the big ideas as, as we go forward into this. And so, um, let me just say kind of a little bit more that, that Christians have practiced other types of fasting throughout history and, and, and even in, into t- today. So, you know, this tends to be giving up something besides food. Uh, we, we see this a lot. So, so maybe it's, there's something that's a distraction in your life or maybe it's something that's a negative in your life saying, I'm going to fast from that. I'm going to give up, you know, Facebook for 40 days. Right, I'm, I'm giving up my smartphone for Lent, or, or, you know, that's kind of a, a, some modern alternatives that we have, that we have seen people do, and, and in other ways, kind of, you know, in centuries past as well. So, maybe it's giving up something that, that is a distraction, it's giving up something that, that is not leading you to a good place. Say, hey, this thing is having a negative impact in my life. I'm, I, I need to fast from it. I need to remove it uh, and focus on God. So, you know, maybe it's coffee or caffeine or, you know, television, or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things like that where someone might feel compelled to do some kind of partial fast that looks different than food. So we'll discuss some of that later, but, but in the beginning, let me just say there are other valid types of fasting. In, the, in Scripture, we're normally just talking about food, and so I'm going to focus on that, but you can apply what I'm saying to other types of fasts. Okay. 
Um, one, one other intro thing, and that is Scripture. In, in Scripture, we see fasting is almost always uh, for a specific purpose. So usually it's a, here's the purpose, I'm going to fast for this reason. Um, but we also see, uh, like some, some people in Scripture had a pattern or a rhythm that they used as a part of their spiritual lives. Uh, there was a sermon a couple weeks ago about, about Anna in the, in the book of Luke, and it just said she fasted all the time. She was constantly fasting. Whatever that looked like, we're not 100% sure, but, but that was a part of her regular worship. She just wanted to be fasting. She wanted her heart to be focused on God and not other things. And so yeah, I, I know people who, I, I fast, you know, once a month. It's just a part of a normal pattern, and I, I will have a purpose during that, but it's, it's something that just helps me kind of stay on track. Uh, and, and so you can have a rhythm to it, uh, and not just only for, like, a specific issue. So, um, okay, we'll talk more about practicals. Let me just give you a little theology, and, and, and there's a lot that I could say, but long story short, we just read in Matthew 9, Becky just read that for us, and one of the important things that we see in Matthew 9 is Jesus talking about this subject. And people are mad. They're like, why aren't your people fasting? He says, well, they're not for right now, but they will. When I leave, my disciples will be fasting. And, um, and, and so fasting was a part of the Old Testament, was a part of Judaism. And, and Jesus makes clear that fasting will also be a part of Christianity. And so we know that Christians fasted in, in various places in the New Testament. Uh, we know that the, vi- the early church thought it was very important. Um, but we will say it was not, never required in the New Testament. It was never given as a command uh, as like, fast this day or else kind of a thing. We don't see that in the New Testament. And so um, it's not a requirement, and it's not something that we can do to earn God's love. So then what is it? Um, because, because when I say it's not required, that doesn't mean I think you shouldn't do it. Um, I think you should. And, and I think your spiritual life will benefit from fasting. Um, so I'm letting the cat out of the bag, I guess, maybe early to say, you sh- I think you should be fasting. I think you will, there is a benefit to it in your spiritual life. Let's get to Isaiah. So, in, in Isaiah 58, we see God responding to his people um, in, in chapter 57, he is kind of proclaiming some anger and some judgment on them about some things that they've been doing. And he, he says, look, I'm really angry at your idolatry. And, and, and basically says, I've had it with the arrogant. You people are so arrogant, and I've had it. I've had it with that. But he makes this promise in chapter 57. He says, but I will always listen to the humble and contrite. Right? So the opposite of pride, the opposite of being arrogant, is humble and contrite. And he says, I'll always listen. I'll always hear you if you're humble and contrite. So this kind of big principle that God will always listen to you if you can come to him in humility, recognizing who he is and recognizing your own limitations and faults. He will listen to you. He will hear that. And so as we get to 58, God has so much more to say. And and in, in Isaiah 58, they're in a time in history where where the, the God's people have been fasting for parts of, we think, the fifth month and the seventh month of every year. They've been, they've been, they've been fasting for, for parts of that. We don't know exactly how much of those parts, but in the fifth and seventh month of the year. And they've been doing this for 70 years. And, 
And basically they say, look, God, we've been doing this and you haven't been hearing us. You're not answering us. You're not helping us. Why have we been fasting if you're not going to listen? And so that's what we see there in verse 3. It says, we have fasted and you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And God's going to respond. He says, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Now, God is saying that with sarcasm. Because he's saying that's not what he wants to hear. Because they're making a big show of it. Right? They're tearing their clothes and sitting in ashes saying, God, we're fasting. And it's false humility. It's not real humility. He says, that's not what I called for. I didn't call for you to put a show on. And so he says, is this not the fast that I choose? Verse 6. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free. To break every yoke. So just a couple of things here I need to mention. First, they have been fasting with wrong motives. It has been selfish. Trying to get something out of God. Uh, there's a, an author that I've been using for a lot of this and, and, and kind of an expert in some of this. His name is Donald Whitney. And he says, the Bible does not teach that fasting is a kind of spiritual hunger strike that compels God to do our bidding. Okay, it's not that. It's not a hunger strike saying, God, you better see me. You d- I demand an answer. Look, I'm fasting. That's what Gandhi did. That's not what God is asking for us. And that's not how Christian fasting works. He says, if we ask for something out of God's will, fasting does not cause him to reconsider. Fasting does not change God's hearing so much as it changes our praying. Did you hear that? Fasting does not change God's hearing so much as it changes our praying. This is, this is a heart issue, and we're going to keep ha- hammering that idea. So if you're going to fast selfishly, don't waste the effort. If you're going to fast self-righteously, I'm better than all these other Christians who aren't fasting. Remember the story of the Pharisees. He, Jesus says, don't, don't, don't waste your time. Don't fast if you're doing it thinking you're better than somebody. Don't fast if you're thinking you can twist God's arm or you can compel him. You can force him. Don't waste your time. Second, they had not truly humbled themselves. They they had faked it. They had tried to look like it. They put on a good show, but they hadn't really humbled themselves. And God's not tricked by stuff like that. God knows the motives of your heart. God knows if you come to him in humility or not. God knows if you're being honest with him or not. Third thing, their hearts and actions hadn't changed. It's like they're apologizing to God while still doing the same stuff. He says, you're you're fasting while you're oppressing the poor. You're fasting while you're throwing people into slavery. That's not fasting. That's not what I've called for. They were not repenting of their actions as they're asking God to hear their fast. We see this in other places too, like in Joel chapter 2. God says, I want your hearts to turn to me in a fast. Turn your hearts to me. Don't put forth some motions. Turn your hearts to me. 
In Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5, God asks this piercing question to the people. He says, was it for me that you fasted? Did you, did you fast for me or did you fast because you're selfish? Did you fast to get your own way, right? Uh, that's that's the, the, the heart of this. So fasting was meant to be an act of worship where our hearts are tuned to him, where we are drawing ourselves to him, where we are worshiping him, not to try to twist his arm. That's not what this is. It's supposed to be an act where we are wanting more of him, not more of something else. He's not a genie in a lamp that we can just try to rub the right way in fasting to get what we want. That's, that's not... That's not what happens here. And so we can tie this to what we hear in places like Matthew 6, where Jesus talks more about fasting. And so I just want you to hear this as as it relates to praying and fasting. And and he says uh, in verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then he skips, skips down to verse 16. says, and when you fast. So again, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. But when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So meaning... And, 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 and I'm, in fasting, I've been guilty of this. I've wanted people to see it and get cr- kind of some kind of credit. It's like, oh man, he must be really devoted. And he says, that's Pharisee stuff. Don't do that. Don't do it so that people will, will, will think you're really great or something. Because that's the reward. If, if you're doing it for that motive, that's your reward. That, but that's not why you should be fasting. So he says, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so again, we go back to this idea that fasting is all about the heart. It's all about humility. It's all about growing in our relationship with God, knowing Christ more. That's why a Christian should be fasting. Okay, so what should, what should be, you know, maybe we're, we're learning what our hearts are supposed to look like. Why do we fast? What are we supposed to do? Uh, if you don't know anything about it, what, what are we supposed to be doing? I, I have to say, I appreciate the fact that, that almost every generation of Christians throughout history saw the value of fasting and, and shared their wisdom with us. It, oddly, it seems like only in the last century have Christians kind of neglected fasting. And some would say it's because they've gotten too comfortable, but that's for another another discussion. So um, Martin Luther said he could summarize fasting for two reasons. He said to subdue and control the body, that's the first reason, and to focus on heavenly things. So people ask Martin Luther, do you fast? He said, yeah, why? To subdue the body and to focus on heavenly things. That, that's his answer. I, I like John Calvin's description as well. He, he gave three things, and they're very similar. He says, the first thing is subduing sin, the second is assisting in prayer and meditation. And, and again, we talked about meditation last week, so I appreciate guys like Luther and Calvin also talked about Scripture meditation as an important part of our lives. But fasting is meant to help I- in that. And then the third thing he said is showing humility and repentance. Okay, so I'm going to kind of go with that three-prong thing here with fasting um, and, and just, and just 
kind of expand on that a little bit. So the first idea is subduing sin, okay? Uh, scripture teaches us that fasting it can be something that we do alongside prayer for God's help. Seeking God's help. Delivering us from sin. So sometimes it's harder than just saying, hey, stop doing that, and we stop doing it, right? If you've had sin in your life, you know it. it it's pretty stubborn. It can stick around, and it's not something I can do in my own power. And so in prayer and fasting, people have found, and Scripture tells us, it can help. It can be a part of that. And so, so seeking, the, seeking the Lord's help, this is not a man's achievement kind of thing. This is seeking the Lord's help. Fasting can help also deal with temptation. So if there's a temptation in your life that you're struggling with, spend some time in fasting, specifically in prayer about that thing. This is one of the categories we see from Scripture. So, and, and Calvin said, that's, that's subduing sin. Second category is assisting in prayer and meditation. And, and so I think this is where we see fasting the most in the Bible as a part of our prayer kind of path, if, if you will, as a way to strengthen prayer, as a way to seek God's guidance. Before you make a big decision, and, and this happens a lot in the Bible, before somebody would make a big decision, they would spend time seeking the Lord through prayer and fasting. Fasting is also used as, as a way to kind of grow in our concern for, for the Word of God. Um, and, and so uh, some people, are, if they're going to spend a lot of time working on a sermon or spend a lot of time work, fasting can be a part of that. Also in this assisting in prayer and meditation thing is, is a broad category. Uh, and, it, and it's a category that John Piper says is the most vital role of fasting today. And, and he says that is fasting to grow in love and worship of God. To grow in our hunger for God. And so fasting can kind of be this physical act of a spiritual feeling, of a spiritual desire. I want more of God. And, and fasting is going to be a part of that. I want to grow in my love for Him. I want to grow in my worship for Him. Fasting can be a part of that. And so I'll just say, in this specific thing, I have found fasting to be an effective tool in, in, in my pursuit of godliness. And, and there are seasons in, in my life and in my heart where I would say, I'm not loving God as, as I should be or as I want to. And, 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 and fasting for me has often been something that is, has been um, a helpful thing that gives me time and purpose and intention to pray and to seek Him in a new way and to grow in my heart for Christ. As a way to humble myself, I, that, is, that has been something I have found to be helpful in fasting. Um, okay, so third category is showing humility and repentance. This can include uh, fasting because of grief um, that, that you are experiencing, that you may be feeling or going through. Uh, seeking repentance in return. Uh, fasting for humility in general. Uh, and in, in this category also we would put fasting to care about others and their needs. So I, I, know, I know some, some folks who, who have fasted at lunch every day. They gave, up, they gave up lunch in their lives as a way to fast to save money for a specific cause. There was somebody who needed something. And they said, well, I'm just going to give up my lunch hour. I'm going to fast through lunch, save that money, and give that as an offering. Fasting for the sake of somebody else. Uh, maybe to sponsor a child, right? I'm going to give up 
my roast, uh, sorry, Starbucks routine so that I can sponsor a child. That's, that's a form of, of fasting for the sake of somebody else. So, uh, I, I know someone who gave up uh, lunch at kind of the same way as, as a time to call and check on people and counsel others. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I want to focus on somebody else. And so it's a, it's a great time that I've got in my schedule. I'm going to carve out that time and give up lunch. And that, that's, that's just a way that they're caring for other people. So um, because fasting's not talked about very often, not preached on very often, I feel like there's so much I need to tell you, and I'm kind of scrambling in some of that. But I also don't want to try to make you drink from a fire hose where, where I'm overloading you with kind of too many, too many things. And so... So I think what I want to say is this, that if you want to grow closer to Christ, you should consider fasting. Uh, I have have noticed a a lot of people avoid it uh, and and are hesitant to do it. You know, if I ever talk to somebody about fasting, I say, oh, if you fast, heck no, that's crazy talk. I can't fast. And it's kind of our our kind of knee-jerk reaction. I'm not picking on anybody, but but, but I I think it's because we've kind of grown accustomed to that it's this weird thing we don't do, we shouldn't do, or people used to do it, but we don't, we don't anymore. Um, and, and so I get it, because it's, it's weird, it's hard, it's an inconvenience. You know, being married and fasting is, is, is hard. Tell you, hey, I'm not eating tonight, uh, not, not to my own horn or anything, but no, it's just weird. It, it's, a, it's a hard thing if you've, if you've done this. And so there's, there's, a, there's a list of reasons why I think we avoid it, but but I also think we're, we're kind of guilty in that. It's like, it's easy to find reasons not to if we don't want to. Just like working out, just like reading scripture, just like praying. If you don't want to, you'll find reasons not to. And so it may be something that it, it, it might be worth challenging yourself and, and asking the question, is there a reason I'm avoiding this? Should I be pursuing it? Now, the health piece, I would say, make sure it's safe for you. There are people who don't need to fast. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I know people who, you know, have diabetes. This is probably, you're going to have to find some alternative ways to do this, if that's for you. And, the, and the other things, too, and I don't know them all. But um, look for some alternative ways to fast, then, if you can't do this. Um, so, you know, just practically speaking, I need to finish. But if you've never fasted before, I, I would suggest maybe trying a juice fast to begin with. Uh, you know, ensure, you know, those little... Maybe, maybe that's the way to go for you. If you, if you say, I've never done this before. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I, maybe it sounds too hard. That might be a way to try, just kind of to work your way into it. I know people who drink a V8 because they're terrible, but, you know, the, it'll help them, you know, kind of give them the, the calories or nutrition they feel like they need, but they're not enjoying a drink in a V8. Nobody does, by the way. You're weird if you say you do. Anyway, I, I don't believe you. Uh, or, or maybe just skip a meal. Start with a lunch. Start with a lunch. And, and say, I'm going to skip lunch, but I'm going to do that in devotion to try to grow closer to Christ. And, and so just as I've talked with, about prayer and, and, and reading Scripture, it's harder at the beginning. Just like working out, just like a new thing. It's harder at the beginning. And this is hard if you've never done it before. It just, it, it, it will be something that gets easier, I promise, as, as you as you work on practicing it. And so I gave you some action plans with Scripture two weeks ago, and they're still back there. There's some cards on the table back there, and I, I gave you some, a handout, kind of a quick guide for prayer as well. And so I thought, well, okay, maybe we need some sort of like action for this too, not to just hear about it, but maybe some kind of action plan. And so, so here's my idea, okay? And that is we can fast together. So I, I'm just throwing this out there. If you want to, 
this might be something I would ask you to prayerfully consider, and that is, I'm going to be fasting on Tuesday, and, and I'm not bragging, this is a corporate fast, I'm, we'll, we'll call it a corporate one, so that we're acknowledging this together. It's not something we're boasting about our goodness or our righteousness, or any, it's not any of that, but maybe it's something that we can pray together. And so if you want to do that, maybe you consider a normal fast or a partial fast of some kind for this coming Tuesday, um, and, and we'll be praying for this church as we look for what's our, what's our new focus? What's our new goal for 2024? How can this church share the gospel and minister to our community? Pray for the vision of that. Pray for the health of this church. Pray that we would continue to follow Christ and, and, and to grow in that way. And then you can also devote time to something else. So if there's somebody who you've really got a heart for, fasting's a great thing to spend some time devoting prayer for somebody else that you're thinking of. Or, or, maybe, or, or, or maybe some of these other things that I've listed. Maybe your heart is not where you want it to be. Spend that other time in this praying, God, will you work and grow in my heart? I want that time to be, to be spent drawing closer to you. So, so those are things that you can be doing. And if you can do that on Tuesday, I would just suggest doing it. And, and, um, and, and so if you want to do that, remember, we're fasting for a purpose. I would always recommend fasting for a purpose. Um, or else it's just a miserable thing that you don't know why you're doing it. But if you're fasting for a purpose, it's, it's helpful. So I, so I would say take a piece of paper if you're going to do this and, and just write on it and say, okay, Lord, I am fasting Tuesday and I commit my heart to you and I commit that I'm going to be praying for Kishwaukee Church and its vision and I'm going to be, uh, you know, if there's somebody else, I'm going to be praying for so-and-so and I'm going to be praying for myself on whatever it is. And if, you know, technology can be helpful, you set reminders in your phone, things like that. Lots of ways to do this that, that are helpful, but um, we, we would uh, say, I'm using the words um, uh, of somebody else, but it is, fasting is simply hoisting, hoisting the sail of your heart, hoping, hoping to experience the wind of the Spirit. That's what it is. It's not a self-righteous act. You're not better than anybody else if you do it, and if you're doing it that way, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Repent of that. And, and I've, done, I've been midway through a fast at times and going, God, I've been doing this all wrong. Will you forgive me and help me kind of re-engage in, in, a, in a correct way? Would you help me in my humility? So if you catch yourself doing that, pray yourself through it. Pray yourself through it that God would, would humble you. So if Tuesday doesn't work for you, talk to me. I'll find a, we'll find another time. I'm happy to do one with you. Um, not because I'm a glutton for punishment, because I know it's easier if you're doing it with somebody else. So if, if you know, if your Tuesday doesn't work for me, but I could do it a different time, let's, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. So if you have questions, you can call me or email me or whatever. I'd love to talk more about it. So I'll say this. Fasting is God's idea. He created it. It's not, this isn't a man invention. This is God's creation. He gave it to us as a way to communicate with him, as a way to live with him. And so Jesus fasted, and he instructed his disciples to fast as well. And so I think that means fasting is important. Uh, Donald Whitney, who I've quoted already before, says that fasting adds a unique dimension to your spiritual life and helps you grow in Christ-likeness in ways that are unavailable through any other means. And I found that to be true as well. So um, maybe let that be an inspiration. So I encourage you, Consider it. It's not crazy. I know it's a little bit weird, but it's not crazy, and it's, it's something that God has, has called us to do as a way to know him and to follow Christ. And so that's my challenge for you to try it. Uh, let your heart be impacted by the discipline of fasting. Let's pray.
Father, our hearts so often grow cold and we, we get prideful and arrogant and we get stale and um, we neglect to pray for others as we say that we will and we, uh, we forget the causes of evangelism and, and, and those who are in need too often. Father, would, 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 would fasting be something that maybe opens our eyes to that? Maybe that would, would call us to you, give us an intention and a, and a purpose that we haven't had before if we've never tried. I remind us that this is not a, an act of, of goodness. This is not a, 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 an act of merit or achievement. Father, this is an act of the heart where we say, I need you and I want more of you. And, and we are relying on you for strength and for deliverance. And every time that we feel that hunger inside of us, it gives us more of a hunger for you and draws us nearer and nearer to you in that. God, you are good. We thank you. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.